It's all the files of the whole park. It tells you everything. Sir, he's uploading the virus. Eagle one, the package is being delivered. It was implicated in the hacking and spying of activists in Mexico. It may have helped the Saudis kill and behead Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi. Now here's an offer that many governments just cannot refuse. Would you like to hack into the phones of journalists, gather up every bit of data, and trace every call, message, and keystroke? Then you're in luck. There's some malware, malicious software for that. This story starts with an Israeli company called the NSO Group. It says it's in the business of cyber intelligence for global security and stability. Now, it's inserting itself into the pandemic news as if it needed more bad press. NSO Group, the infamous Israeli spyware company with links to intelligence agencies, developed software tracking coronavirus-infected citizens. But as our motherboard reporter Lorenzo Franceschi Bicarai tells us, that's likely just a way for it to expand its questionable business. I'm Ben Maku, and this is Cyber. Lorenzo, welcome back. Welcome back to the show. It's great to be back, Ben. It's been a while. It's it been like a little a, while. 300 years? It seems like 300 years. Yeah. I, uh, I, I've missed you. Thank you. Yeah, I missed you too. It's, great. it's really good to be back. Did you miss the cyber? I did miss the cyber. I was, uh, you know, a part of my routine when I was uh, off was listening to as many podcasts as I could. And cyber was one of them. And it was, you know, it was kind of like comfort food for my ears and my mind. I have to say to listen to your voice and uh, listen to you roasting people. It was great. Wow. Well, I, you know what? That's the, I think that's the nicest thing you ever said to me. So I think we're going to, we're going to now move on to the interview before it's going to stay on that high. Um, <laughs> Okay, so speaking of something we've talked a lot about before in the past, NSO Group just keeps coming up doing nefarious things. And I think to start this off, let's just just recap. Who is NSO Group? What is it? Yeah, so NSO Group, as uh, some of our listeners may know, is a pretty notorious um, surveillance technology company from Israel, from Tel Aviv. And uh, you may... remember them from a slew of cases where governments that are their customers were caught using uh, their product, which is like a spyware, mobile spyware. Um, and they used it against, uh, you know, journalists, uh, human rights activists. Uh, there was one case in Mexico where um, the Mexican government used it against um, uh, doctors and uh, health activists that um, advocated for people not to drink soda. It was one of the weirdest cases of abuse. Um, but yeah, basically they're, you know, one of the, I think they're, I think it's fair to say that they're the world leaders in terms of selling uh, very intrusive, uh, very effective um, spyware. And when I say spyware, I mean like, you know, malware that it's designed to, you know, hack your phone and uh, or your computer, although for NSO, I think it's um, they only have a phone product. Um, so it acts your phone and then, you know, records your calls, intercepts your text messages, uh, steals data from, you know, your photo camera and stuff like that. They are, I think we could say, I mean, they're kind of like this gun for hire mercenary spyware company that has done some pretty shady business. It also, as we know, was uh, implicated in the assassination dismemberment of Jamal Khashoggi. 
Yeah, that was definitely the most uh, controversial case. Um, Citizen Lab, which is um, our listeners probably would know as well, um, they are an activist group and a human rights group out of Toronto. They have documented most of these abuse cases and they found that um, Saudi Arabia most likely was using NSO against uh, some of uh, Khashoggi's uh, friends and close uh, associates. There is no evidence that Saudi Arabia used NSO against Khashoggi himself, uh, but there are, there is documented and you know almost certain um, certainty that they used it against some of his uh, closest associates and friends in the lead up to his assassination. And, and you know you have to remember that like sometimes you don't need to spy on a person directly if you can spy on his whole network, right? Like, let's say that I want to spy on you, like maybe I can't hack your phone, but if I can hack your, you know, your best friend's phone, your your family's phones, then it's effectively the same, right? I'm getting, you know, your conversations with them. I'm getting your messages with them. So, so yeah, in this case, um, that's what that it, it's it appear it, that's what it appears that happened. And so we have to say that you know, as always, denied this. They said that they ran a. Thorough investigation into this and looked into it and found no evidence of their customers targeting Khashoggi himself. But as I said, that's not really good enough because if you're spying on their friends, then what's the difference? Well, if this company, this group, which also, as I understand it, has some former members of a very elite Israeli hacking agency, Unity 200, within its ranks. They keep getting bad headlines, and to get any worse, they've also inserted themselves in the global pandemic. Tell me what happened. Yeah, so obviously Israel is also getting hit by COVID-19, and being a country that is always at the forefront of surveillance and using technology for surveillance, they started thinking about using some of their you know, some of the tools that they probably already use to track um, people infected with coronavirus and keep an eye on movements, people's movements, uh, not only to see if they're, you know, respecting the lockdown, but also to do what scientists call contact tracing. Contact tracing is a technique uh, where you follow um, the trail of an infected person and see who they have met, who they've been around uh, in a way to, you know, try to figure out who else could be infected, uh, who else is a a risk. Uh, uh, You know, in an ideal system, you could even, if you do this well, you could even um, do uh, geographically restricted lockdowns. So maybe you figure out that only a certain neighbor in a city has been hit. So you only close down that, that part of the city. Um, it's something that works very well in theory. Uh, I think a lot of people have um, doubted that contract tracing is very useful in practice, especially once the once the epidemic becomes a pandemic, right? Because contact tracing only helps if you're really early in the in the game, right? Imagine if you if this was January, for example, and you're like, okay, there's only one case in New York. Uh, where is this guy gone? Um, who has it been around? But once there's like you know thousands of cases, and also especially with this uh, this kind of um, illness where a lot of people don't show symptoms, I feel like it's probably going to be very hard to do this. 
So yeah, NSO is pitching um, a, a product called Fleming um, to to do this kind of co- contact tracing. Um, we already know that the Israeli government has approved uh, its use, or rather they have um, accepted uh, NSO's pitch. I think they're still getting the final uh, regulatory approvals. Uh, NSO says that they're um, pitching it to other countries, but we don't know which ones, and we don't know if they, you know, if they got the pitch approved. That's, I mean, it's kind of terrifying to the degree in which you have some of these, you know, intelligence grade companies who are inserting themselves in this in this pandemic to sort of capitalize on it. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what um, John Scott Railton of, uh, of Citizen Lab uh, told us when we we did a story on this. He said that, in his opinion, this is just NSO and other companies trying to profit off of a, you know, of a tragic uh, crisis. Um, and, and, you know, to like the problem with this system, other than what we just talked about, uh, you know, whether it's effective or not, is that in practice, this is mass surveillance, right? Because the only way you can do this if you really believe it works, and you know, let's assume that it works, the only way you can do this is to effectively spy on everyone um, for a long amount of time. You know, at least two weeks, three weeks a month, and actually, probably as long as the crisis uh, continues, because you know, the, until there's a vaccine or uh, or anything like that, uh, the virus will keep going around. So, if you really believe in the system and you want to use it, then you're effectively spying on everyone uh, for a very long time. And the other issue is like, what is this? What is gonna? What's gonna happen to this system once the crisis is over? Do we believe that governments will just, you know, turn it off? You know, they will just shut down the system and throw it away, or they'll be like, oh, you know, this is pretty. This is pretty useful. Maybe we should keep it around. And, and you know, I don't want to sound like a crazy, you know, tinfoil hat wearing activist, but it's. You know, unfortunately, there's a there's very recent and very good examples where surveillance technology uh, was promoted and en- um, enabled for a certain reason, and then was just kept around because it was just too good to give up. It's actually just like, yeah, I can't. I, the last thing I would want to do is look at this crisis and see how to make money off of it. Let alone if I were some sort of you know surveillance company. But I guess that's where they got how they got to there position in the first place. Yeah. And I mean, in their defense, or I mean, to, I guess to, to put ourselves in their, in their feet, in, in, sorry, to put ourselves in their shoes, right. They, they, they already have these products. Like, it's not like they're, I don't think they sat down at a table and, and thought, okay, guys, how do we make money off of people dying and people getting sick? You know, it was more like, oh, this is, we already have this system because um, the, the NSO product is part of their Pegasus uh, spyware suit. So they just uh, essentially repurposed something that they already had, which I imagine was not really that much of a, you know, effort in terms of uh, programming and stuff like that. So, so you know, I think we can maybe give them the benefit of the doubt in this case. You know, it's after all, it's their job to develop these systems. I think in this case, it's more like our government's going to take advantage of it and just, you know, turn on mass surveillance and never turn it off. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely a race now going on. Um, in our story last week, we spoke about another company that's similar to NSO. It's called uh, Cypher Gate. They're based in Rome. And uh, 
I think their CEO is a former military uh, person and they have ties with like the secret uh, service or the intelligence community in Italy. And, and yeah, they're pitching basically the same product as NSO. So, you know, it's not just NSO. A lot of companies around the world, uh, companies that usually are, you know, government contractors and companies that sell to police or intelligence agencies are trying to take advantage of the crisis. Well, Lorenzo, uh, thanks very much for your, I think this might be your 2020 debut actually on cyber. Uh, yeah, I think so. Well, you'll Yeah, hopefully it's uh, not the last. It, it won't be the last. There will be more and we will one day see each other face to face and discuss how much better Juventus is than Barcelona. Uh, I don't know if maybe that that point uh, Cristiano Ronaldo will be gone and uh, you know, who knows. Oh god. We'll see. Yeah, all right. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Why, hello, Jason. Hey, fitness check. Still doing it, man. I'm still. I just did a. I was just saying to you, I did a five mile run today. Ran by your place. I'm pretty. I'm pretty certain. Yeah, I biked uh, 45 miles over the weekend in two days, which is nice. Been That's doing fun. some uh, pull ups as well. Got a pull up bar. There you go. There you yeah. go. Keeping it real. It's time to get jacked. I feel like I was really, uh, really like lackadaisical the first couple weeks, but like. It's time to get jacked. I agree. I well, agree like with all, you. It's all we can do. It's yeah. all we can do while we still have our health and our happiness. Exactly. Okay. Well, we should start a fitness pod, I'm, I think. But, you know, we'll, we'll talk about cyber for now. Yeah, let's do that first. Okay. So uh, this one is, uh, you know, it's coming out of a state that I've been seeing a lot of recently because I'm rewatching The Sopranos uh, in this time of quarantine. New Jersey's broken unemployment system and its use of a 60-year-old programming language like there hasn't been any that have, that have, that have come up since. Yes. So <laughs> this, is, uh, this is a new one. This is definitely a new one. Um, so all these governors are doing their you know, daily coronavirus press conferences in which they're throwing up PowerPoints and talking about the struggles that their states are facing. And uh, over the weekend, Phil Murray, who's the governor of New Jersey, said that its unemployment filing system has been completely overwhelmed by people who have lost their jobs because of the coronavirus pandemic. So 
Uh, we don't need to get too too into it, but you know there were there's something like 10 million Americans who have lost their jobs over the last two and a half weeks um, who have filed for unemployment. And a lot of these systems are, you know, they're government websites and government websites suck. Like that's a stereotype, but for the most part, government websites suck. And, uh, while federal government websites are terrible, state government websites are usually even worse. And so New Jersey's unemployment system is running on servers slash backend that was programmed in COBOL, which was a programming language that was one of the first programming language that came in, came after binary. So this is, uh, it's not the best. Um, I mean, it sounds, the, it sounds super secure too. I mean, off, honestly, like a lot of these early programming languages are pretty secure because there's so few people who know them at this point. So it's like, <laughs> I mean, s- security through obscurity is certainly not a thing, but it's like, you don't have that many people running around like, probing for bugs on COBOL systems, I would imagine. Uh, it's like, you know, why That's a bother? That's a very good point. point. Yep. Um, but, and the other thing is like, a lot of these programming languages are pretty fast because they uh, they don't have like sophisticated ways of sitting on top of systems. Like you're getting very close to machine, like ones and zeros, like machine language at that point because these, uh, these languages are like so rudimentary. So, I mean... There are still people who program in COBOL. Um, you know, a survey earlier this year found that people would rather modernize COBOL than get rid of it altogether. Huh. Um, but it hasn't been modernized really. So it's like there's there's really no reason for uh, these servers to be using this programming language at this point. And right now, I mean, the reason he was talking about this, he's like, these our system's been overwhelmed and we don't have anyone who knows the programming language to troubleshoot it. So it's like really, really bad. It's not, not a good thing, but I mean, time and time again, we've found that, uh, a lot of legacy systems run on really old programming languages. We did like a really great story last year, uh, that the New York city subway operating system was designed in like the early nineties and it's like super rudimentary, but it's still being used. I mean, it's going way back, but I remember we did a story once on nuclear warheads and the systems that that guide them being run on floppy disks that's exactly what i was gonna say it's like we're still using floppies for our nukes so it's like that's insane i mean it's on one hand it's really terrifying on the other hand it's like uh i guess if it isn't broke don't fix it but like in this case it is broke so like time to fix it you know yes and it but also it's another example of just how you know federal systems and you know different public service systems use really bad code or, you know, things like, I, I see this sort of as akin to, you know, how certain hospitals didn't update their Microsoft Explorer or their Microsoft uh, Outlook accounts and are more susceptible and to hacks. A lot of them are running on like XP and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just sort of like these clunky things and then they get exposed in a crisis. Yeah. I mean, that happens. There's also like, you know, Obamacare website went down immediately when after it was, uh, after the exchanges were opened and that was like a huge problem. Uh, so it's like the rollout of government websites is usually not very good. And, uh, I don't know. It's like, I had to go find, uh, some number that I had like with the IRS and like navigating the IRS's website was just like, 
I don't know. It felt like I was in elementary school, like going through some just like super rudimentary website that you have no idea if it worked or not. And like you eventually get something in the like actual physical mail. Um, so it's like we need we need to do better. It's not, it's not good. We need to do much better. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, they can figure out Stuxnet, but they can't uh, they can't figure out a way for people to get their unemployment insurance or their unemployment checks very easily. Yeah. So that's our fun. That's our, our serious but fun story. The other two are, are just straight fun. Yeah, I agree. I mean, when you see a story where the headline is essentially about something that scans your butthole in order to help it be sprayed with water better, I, you know, I click on that link, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Hold on. My dog is barking. It happens. It's, an, it's one of those it's one of those uh, conference calls where the dog interrupts. Yeah. So it's becoming a, <laughs> it's, a common tweet these days. Yeah, it's really, uh, it's charming. So Stanford University has introduced to the lexicon the uh, term anal print scan. Uh, they have created a smart toilet that will analyze your poop and pee uh, and identify you by the, uh, I, I don't know what you would call this, but by uh, your butthole. Um, your balloon knot i'm just spitballing here yeah um they (laughs) call it the quote distinctive features of their of the user's anoderm and the anoderm is uh basically a skin flap inside your anal canal so anyways that's lovely and um i mean i love the the lead on this is fantastic i'm gonna read it this is from sam cole Shakespeare, Please. the Shakespeare of, of uh, motherboard, by the way, your butthole is like a snowflake. No two are exactly alike. At least that's the crux of a new scientific paper. Blah, 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 blah. It's so good. That's fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. So, I mean, we're, we're trying to, to learn more about this. Like this paper was published in nature, which is, I would say between that science and uh, proceedings of the national Academy of sciences, like the top three, scientific journals in the country so it's like this is serious research and it's like uh of course concerning because uh, i don't know you have the surveillance implications of such technology however as a scientific paper it's like really incredible it's amazing Um, also all all the all the buttholes that they show (laughs) yeah there's definitely way more buttholes in this uh paper than one would expect (laughs) <laughs> uh, to find in a scientific paper, uh, just like your average run of the mill journal. Um, so yeah, here, here are the specs. It has four cameras, uh, that have the technology to do anal print recognition, uh, as they call it. Uh, they say it has two factor authentication, meaning your fingerprint and your anal print. Um, I don't think they're really using two factor authentication correct there, but I, I guess it sort of is. Uh, and then, they also had, I think they had 11 volunteers who uh, volunteered to poop in this toilet. And they also had two, quote, board certified uh, doctors, scientists, I'm not sure, look at like thousands and thousands of frames of video to help train the algorithm that is able to do this identification. So, you know, serious science here, very important. I mean, it, it like it is like they, you know, they say that your 
tracking, you know, your pee and your stool. I'll use another word for it. Yeah. Uh, is is a, is an excellent way to keep track of your health and what what you need to do to to for the benefits of yourself. So I mean, it's just too bad that even I mean, admittedly, I just find this hilarious. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> I read an article today that people are talking about like uh, using stool samples to detect coronavirus and stuff like this. So there's there's like all sorts of things you can learn from. Uh, your poop, I think there's... Or, or like you shouldn't, nobody should be eating butt these days if you're, especially if you're in New York City, because you can catch corona from rimming. New York Public Health put that out. Yeah, yeah, that was another amazing thing that they put out there. Um, a lot of really good, a lot of good butthole stories these days, I think, yeah, is what yeah. we're saying. Yeah. All right, that's enough. I'm starting to feel ill. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, I think you're staring at these pictures too much. Um, yeah. Okay, this is... Palette cleanser. It's making a glorious return. It's making a glorious return. Just cue the music. God, That's right. It's been, We're going to talk been, about UFOs. It's you, been, it's been a little long. too long. Yeah. It's because this, this, this fucking plague is taking over my life. Dude, I have, a back, away. I have a backlog of like five UFO scoops that we haven't run just because it's like the plague. Uh, but they're all coming. And the first one, I just, I just wanted to do a fun thing since we're all in quarantine uh, MJ Benias, our uh, UFO reporter extraordinaire, who was on a previous episode of Cyber, wrote a piece about how to get into UFOs. I mean, I don't need I don't need anybody telling me how, but I'm glad that he's putting this out there. Yeah, I mean, so the way that you get into UFOs is you become interested in UFOs and you learn all about them. And the best way to do that is to follow Motherboard's uh, UFO column, uh, which MJ writes. But uh, there are a lot of other ways and things that you can do. So that includes listening to UFO podcasts. Uh, and he recommends a Unknown. podcast called Unknown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, something called Somewhere in the Skies, Radio Mysterioso, the Micah Hanks program, the last podcast on the left, Where Did the Road Go, Hysteria 51, and Ufomet. Ben, have you listened to any of these podcasts? The last podcast on the left. That's like a leftist podcast though, right? Or is that uh or yeah. is it a UFO one? No, it's 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 like it's a leftist podcast. Yeah. But I guess they they hit UFOs from time to time, huh? Yeah. It's uh but it also talks about a bunch of weird stuff. So it's it's really good. It does cool. like it does a whole bunch of it does a bunch of weird stuff on like like weird conspiracies and it's awesome. It's a great show. Yeah, and then he also recommends some documentaries you should check out. Uh, there's also articles for some of these. He's reviewed some of them for Motherboard. Uh, on the Trail of, it's on uh, Amazon Prime. Uh, Hellier, which yes. should be... Have, do you know Hellier? I have corresponded with Hellier before. Really? I have, yeah. So I watched some uh, trailers for Hellier, and I've got to say it looks great. However... It doesn't super seem like a documentary to me, uh, <laughs> but maybe I'm wrong. Oh, no, I was thinking of, of uh, Hellier, the Canadian national, def- former Canadian national defense minister who, who believed in, who said that, like, there was a conspiracy to, oh, do you yeah. remember that guy? Yeah, I do remember that guy. There's some, like, pretty prominent uh, Canadian UFO people, but no, Hellier is a, an internet web series no, that, I haven't. I haven't seen it. No, I'm just seeing this now. No, I have not seen it. I will check it out. Yeah, um, and it looks awesome. But as uh, MJ says, it looks into cults, ancient witchcraft, interdimensional beings, and goblins and aliens. So I think it's like you know 
part documentary, part uh, maybe like tall tales or myth telling. Uh, I'm but into it. I haven't seen it. It looks sick though. Uh, and then Witness of Another World, as well as the short documentary, The Nimitz Encounters. And uh, he also suggests some internet rabbit holes to go down, which uh, I think you should read the article to find those out. But a uh, big one is The Black Vault, which is like tons and tons of FOIA documents, unclassified documents, things that you can read and, uh, you know, teach yourself, radicalize yourself, get yourself into, into UFOs. We have a lot of time these, these days. So, you know, we have a lot of time these days. And if you're going to spend any of it doing anything nonsensical, do something sensible and become a believer. Definitely become a believer. I would say, uh, be careful (laughs) when you, uh, when you go into conspiracy world, uh, there's a lot of like really interesting things you can find, but I would also say know when to pull yourself out. Um, I think that UFO conspiracy is like a pretty, for the most part, it's like a pretty banal one and like a pretty good one to, to start think, with, but like, think, don't, don't go too deep. Yeah. I think when you start believing that the government is keeping it from you. Yeah. I think maybe because that one's, it's kind of, it's the, it's the, it's the definite sign where it's, this is dumb because there's yeah. no way a secret like that would be held by the U S government, the leakiest ship of all the ships in the lands. Yeah, I mean, I've read like four stories today about leaks within the government, within the military, within, uh, you know, the yeah. presidency. Like, you know, it happens all it happens. day, every day. It happens all day, every day. Well, yeah. Jason, uh, stay safe. You too. And see, uh, we'll, see we'll you, do this again uh, next week. I feel like I talk to you often, but I haven't seen you in going on five weeks now. It's outrageous. I have not realized how long it was until... I actually did the math the other day because my my brother asked me and I was like, holy shit, I've been alone for a while. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> stay strong. Oh, okay. Well, I'll see you guys later. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> this week's episode was produced by me, recorded by me, and edited by Ricardo Contreras. You'll be hearing from us next week and stay safe, everyone. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.